Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to twiz.io to sign up today. What is going on, agency owners? This is Jordan Ross, founder of Eight Figure Agency, where we make it easy for you to scale your business and remove yourself from the operation. And on this call, I got a close friend, a longtime client, the beast, Tyler Mullins, founder of Omni Agency, who has been able to add $100,000 in monthly recurring revenue with us in nine months. And on this call, we're going to be going through and breaking down the five to seven top strategies that allowed him to go fucking full sense. Seven top strategies, I just pulled up. So for everyone that does not know you, Tyler, what's good? This is take two, everyone. We we record this, I fucked it up and we're gonna do it again. So Tyler, for everyone that does not know you, who are you and what is on the agency? Yeah, well, first, thanks for the uh, the lovely epithets you gave me as the, through the introduction there. But uh, basically the founder of Omni Agency, as you're indicating, I like to refer to myself as a serial entrepreneur as I've started a couple of businesses now, but uh, with the help of ADAF, this Omni agency has definitely been the one that's caught the most momentum. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And basically all, what we do is we specialize in Web3 community building, community marketing, and it's kind of an interesting story how we niche down, and uh, I think we'll probably talk about that today. Oh, yeah. That will definitely be one of the points. So, so guys, what we're going to do is this is basically a story of how Tyler built a seven-figure agency, right? When he came in with us, he was doing like $20,000. He was running a loss. Mm-hmm. And he would not describe himself as a Web3 agency back then. This is when I met him. I met him about a year ago, November 2021. And we started working with him in like yep. February-ish. So when we met Tyler, um, let's just give a context, right? So you were doing like 20, 30K. The, you had a really strong Q4 in 2021. And mm-hmm. give context, who were you coming into the new year 2022 when we met? And guys, remember, guy, he was 21 when we started working. He's not 22, but this kid is a fucking savage to be at this point. Mm. So I think in this conversation, I do, do not overlook the fact that like, yes, he is 21, but you have to be a really like hard worker and you have to be a smart person to still be able to do these things. This is not like something that every 21 year old can do, right? Even though when you work with ADAP, we can help you. But Tyler, give context. Let's dive in. Yeah. And as you were saying, it's a testament to the fact that if I can do it, like most people can probably do it, especially if they have that age advantage. But to your question there, Jordan, so stepping into 2022, which is when we, you know, began our relationship, we were, as you said, we had a really strong quarter in 2021. What we were focusing on was just throwing a bunch of money at trying to grow. And that's exactly what we did. We grew aggressively, but we had no logistics on the background or infrastructure on the background to support that growth. So stepping into 2022, it's a bit of a fragment in my mindset, knowing that we just recently actually lost quite a bit of revenue as a result of un- being able to not maintain those clients. And something I also was aware of is like what we need desperately is a unique selling proposition and a better niche to operate in to allow us to, even though we're getting in all these leads, to allow us to close them at a more effective retainer and keep them and differentiate ourselves better from the competition. Yeah. Yeah. And, and guys, I think this is 
when we met Tyler, I remember looking over the PL. This is, I think, the most common pitfall of being 2018 to like 2021 running mm-hmm. an agency. The marketplace really tells you to emphasize top line, right? So Tyler had, he did 40, 50K in Q, like Q4. I think he did 40, 50K in November, December. He yeah. churned a bunch of clients, but you know, he had a lot of cash on hand. He's like, I'm going to go ham. I'm going to invest this money back into the business. So in January, he actually ran a loss yeah. because the marketplace is like top line revenue, go fucking chase it. Right. So this is, this was our starting point with him. One of the first things we did with Utah, we, we worked through the PL. We identified three major things that, you know, at, at that level, right. You come in, you're running a loss. I remember Zach and I are like, we need to make you profitable immediately. We looked at three things, your contractors and you were, there were some contractors we were overpaying legacy clients and then multiple services. So walk us through these three things, contractors, legacy clients, and multiple services. What did we do that impact the P&L and allowed you to start running a profit and a good, a nice size profit as a result of these three changes? Yeah, exactly. So speaking to your question, I'm going to be referring to we as like Omni in the team. And of course I I look at ADEF as part of that team at, at this point in our long relationship. So immediately, again, as you were saying, the big thing that we recognized as needing improvement was on the P&L side of things. Contractors were being compensated much more than they needed to be. And one thing really beautifully was that our structure with a lot of our contractors was based on the fact that if we do good, the contractors do good. But if we do bad, the contractors continue doing good. So trying to put in place a relationship dynamic where the contractors involved and they're growing with us, essentially, uh, was one of the things that we looked at from a flexible compensation standpoint. In addition to that, we also looked at where could we shape costs. Just getting, uh, I think it was you and Zach both took a look at it, but getting your eyes in and on the P&L really pointed out a lot of things that I just didn't recognize. Jordan, I actually can't recall a specific, you know, a specific example from that. Is Are you able to recall an example? I got it. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I have the notes. Right. <laughs> so one of the things, so we had the contractors and legacy clients. So walked us through, we had unprofitable legacy clients. So like they were paying yeah. out a lot, but we were still working with them as paying our team and running all the normal expenses. And then we were also running multiple services. So we weren't getting economies of scale. So walk us through those two legacy yeah. clients and then the services, how that impacted PL. Awesome. I love that you have the notes there. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jay Ross. Yeah. So on, on the, the history, baby. On the history. So on the side of the legacy clients that one thing that I thought was a really important lesson was that you have to find the margin that you want to stick to and be able to ripple that through the client deck that you have. Just taking a look at a client by client basis, the margins were all over the place. So clients that were just consuming labor capital, but bringing very little free cash flows, just looking to terminate or, or change the relationships with those clients was one of the big things that we put in place immediately. The second thing that we did, what was the second an example, sorry, Jordan, that you gave that. So this is going to actually lead to point number two, but the services, right? You were offering several services, services. too. Exactly. And, and that coincided with the legacy clients. Like margins were all over the place because you were like running three, four services. And and guys, I tell I tell agency owners, I got off the phone with a full service agency owner yesterday who's doing 700000 annually. He has literally every service you can imagine. He's like, my margins suck. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, they suck. You don't get economies of scale. If you have eight different services and you're doing less than a million, your people are not running good profits on these accounts. So like, yeah, so we were like, we need to really focus on one core offer. So the one core offer to the million 
And what was that offer? Because we picked the niche and we picked the offer. So talk us through that. Cause that was, in my opinion, that is the most important yeah. decision we made in Q1 that is leading to why we're here right now. So what was that decision? What did we choose and why? Yeah, you, you couldn't be more right. Being able to niche down into one specific service was honestly paramount to a lot of the success that came after. So the decision was to niche into Web3 specifically. We niched into Web3 specifically, Web3 being an industry, blockchain, crypto, whatever the buzzword is that you want to refer to it as. But we niched into that industry, one, because we did some really good market research before stepping into that space. But the second thing, and, and this is a term that I think I got from you, you kind of coined it as a blue ocean. Like, hey, there's a lot of opportunity and little competition in this space. That's evident through the market research. Let's step into this where we can build a stronger, unique selling proposition. Immediately in line with that, I think at the exact same time, what we did was we reduced from a full service agency offering I think it was like seven to 10 different services with no systemization behind each of those services. And as a result, trying to balance, you know, eight juggling balls at the same time, I'm a lot poor juggler. But if I'm just flipping one ball over and over again, I can build my strengths up there. And that's yeah. kind of, you know, the thought process behind that, the paradigm behind that. Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of the shiny object syndrome. You get a client and you start having a conversation with them around, oh, you need web development. Oh, you need this. Oh, you need that. And eventually you start offering multiple services, but you're not profitable and it's taking up a lot of your time. So I, yeah. I could not, to everyone listening, I could not hone in on this more. Like Tyler had the discipline to say, all right, I'm going to focus on web three and what I call it social media management, right? You do a lot more than just that. Like, but we'll call it that for simplicity. Yeah. And when we made that change, shit started to change, right? We started to get a lot more clients, but there was also a one more thing at the initial go around that we were focusing on, it was your mindset, right? Yeah. Like I remember coming in, you were eyes bright, big, bright eyes, like big vision. And it's so interesting how you grow so fast, man. But like you mm. were just focusing on top line cash flow. I need it, like, I want to get the cash flow as fast as possible. And I think, you know, any 21, like, Fuck anyone. Anyone wants that, right? I want that. I want the cash flow as fast as fucking possible. And I remember yeah. one of the things we were walking through is... This is Jordan Ross. Booking meetings at scale month over month is hard. Over the last three years, I've been accumulating the best hacks my clients have been using to set appointments for their seven and eight figure businesses. I've taken all of these systems and now my agency, Eight Figure Agency, books 60 to 85 meetings a month. That's 15 meetings a week on average, which has supercharged my agency past the million dollar run rate. I wanna help simplify lead generation for your agency, so I made a free training on how I do this. Yep, that's right. I'm giving away the entire system for free. If you wanna set 85 appointments a month, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash leads to get your free training today. That's eightfigureagency.co forward slash leads. And I remember yeah. one of the things we were walking through is profitability, which we already talked about, but then also mastery, right? Yeah. Walk us through what changed when we started talking, like we need to become best in class. How did that shift your outlook on delivery and the agency you're building? Yeah, great question. So it just shifted it from a standpoint of trying to build the structure that supports being that best in class delivery. I mean, there's two facets to 
in my opinion, this question, one facet's the business development side of things, the second facet's the mindset side of things. And I'm just going to focus on the mindset briefly before I segue into the second facet. Like mindset is everything. At the end of the day, especially in the early stages of building a business, and I think this is oftentimes under-discussed, like you are the business, like no questions about it. You can read a book called Built to Sell. I think it's a fantastic book. And until you get to the point where you're in that position, you're built to sell, you're the business and you need to take care of the business first and foremost. Exactly. The mindset shift that really changed when it comes to best in class experience was look at this in the macro scale, not the micro scale. There's constant fires and storms on a consistent basis. And that's as a result of trying to define and refine the product that I'm looking to build here. And, you know, those fires, the more fires that you put out, the better position realistically that you're getting in. A lot of the mindset training that we did, did, which was just kind of slowing down, deep breath, re-perspective or reframing your perspective on different scenarios really helped with, again, pulling the micro away from the macro environment, which is really important. Jordan, I'm not sure if you want to chime in before I transition to the second facet here. I think I'm actually going to segue with you to yep. the lead gen. But I think for me, the number one thing that I really think that's just overlooked, right? playing the game the right way with the right systems at the right speed. When we niched, and this is part of the mastery, we niche, we're like, we're going to be the, we're going to build the best in class service period, right? We're going to build a better delivery than anyone. And what's going to be super, it's going to, when we are only working with web three, when we're only doing one service, it's only going to take five, 10 clients to start to build a reputation. Right. And that Mm -hmm. actually led us to lead gen and business development. You have, what I thought was one of the coolest, most unique strategies. I had never, and I still have not spoken to an agency owner that's doing this. You are purchasing your way onto. When it comes to marketing, the opposite is true. You want to narrow your tent's focus so dang much that when they show up and they're under the tent, they're look, they look around and they say, these are my people. This right. is my product. This right. is the service that I want to buy. And I think this has been lost in the digital marketing world in the past decade for reasons I won't go into, but basically that's what we've identified. And so with going back to my ostrich comment, these Amazon sellers, my customers, they are so focused on just trying to put food on the table, literally. They, like, right. like the skills that are required to be an Amazon seller are tenacity and the ability to just outlast the other guy. And, and so like, it's this tactical war zone yeah. So they don't have time to go to conferences. They don't have time to look up on YouTube. They are just like barely getting across the line. And, yeah. and, and a lot of times they end up being um, really good operators when it comes to sourcing or really good operators when it comes to inventory. But marketing was never on their list of activities. And right. these, are the, these are the choice customers that I chase all day long, but they don't know what they don't know. They don't know who yeah. I am. And those are the outbound uh, things that we had to figure out how to accomplish this year. And I, and I credit a lot of that success to basically going on their listing and telling, giving them advice and saying, here are the yeah. things that we recommend you do. Here is free advice. We have custom made this for you. Yeah. It's yours. We haven't even talked to yeah. you yet. Yeah. And we're giving this to you. And then for the next five emails, hey, did you watch that personalized video we made just for you? And right. You'd be surprised how many people never even watch the video. And, if, and of course, yeah. if you're one of the BDRs, you're just like, please just watch the video. Just watch the, I'm going to call your phone. I'm going to email. I'm going to watch the video. Because yeah. if they do watch the video, there's a 50% chance they're going to book a call. 
A hundred percent. That's that's fascinating to listen about and through. And I think you know one thing that that's been um, uh, another thing that's been on my mind a lot recently. I'm curious to hear your take on this. Is taking the Russell Brunson approach to LTV, because one thing he talks about in his book, uh, Traffic Secrets, is that you know the customer might churn from a single item in your service. Like let's say they sign up for three thousand dollars per month. They're doing one of your services. They might churn on that in you know, six months or a year, but the companies that end up growing past $10 million a year in revenue, they can retain those people in the community because they know that the LTV is actually much longer than that. They take a longer term view. And instead of that, maybe they paid 50 grand, but they could actually pay 50 more grand in like a year from now, if they can retain that person in their ecosystem. Is your strategy for retention right now and retaining them past that initial point of churn is it the content or do you do something else? Or like, do you have a strategy for getting the customers to come back and keeping them engaged after they may churn? Cause I know you have really good retention, but I'm curious what, what, if they do leave, how do you keep them around? Yeah. That first client that I signed off a LinkedIn post in the first 48 hours of making my agency is still a client today, four and a half years yeah. later. So, so like when I was just my Amazon guy, they stuck with me throughout the entire system building. And I, and I think that's just, uh, you know, props to me, obviously, <laughs> um, for, for building that. Right. Like, but that's right. just, for me, that's like my own personal proof that like, okay, I built a good system, but along the way, I would say that there's two value props that we focus on. One, we grow your sales. Yeah. I'll talk a little bit about that. And the second is uh, peace of mind. So yeah. because it's so complicated to do what we do on Amazon, we give out all of our trade secrets. It's not me against you, other Amazon agency, because I know like 15 other Amazon agencies are gonna watch this for every tip they can get. It's not me against you. It's all of us against Amazon. And, right. and if there's one catchphrase I become famous for, I hope it's that one. Like mm. that's the one I wanna be famous for. And so what ends up happening is these smaller boutique agencies, they can't service every single piece of ground in the Amazon space. So what right. do they do? They refer it upward. Why? Because we help them. We help them through all the content and everything that we do. So, yeah. so that peace of mind angle is about trying to help the seller um, who sells on Amazon know that every piece will be taken care of because we do something that nobody else does. We defend every piece of ground when it comes to Amazon. And we've kept ourselves an inch wide and a mile deep in one niche. But let's go to the growing sales part. So there are four pillars that we believe grow sales for, for an Amazon seller. They are pay-per-click advertising and SEO, search engine optimization. Those are the traffic generating techniques and pillars. Right. Those are extraordinarily important. And, and I like to make the claim that we're the SEO Amazon leader in the world. The second is conversion elements, and that's going to include design and catalog management. So those are my four pillars. Those are the value props that we give. And we know that an Amazon seller, if they exit our agency, they will yeah. be missing three or all four of those pillars, guaranteed. Mm. Mm. Because yeah, because that's the thing. You get that you get that retention, that lock in, that makes it really difficult for them to go away. And very hard to yeah. replace us. SEO is is a great. I mean, I actually was surprised when I learned this recently that SEO is actually the most. Uh, it's it's the the one uh, category of of marketing that actually has the most spend by businesses every year is actually SEO. So and also the mainly because also the retention is so high. People stay around for so long on SEO because once they have an SEO provider, it's very difficult to switch and have the same results. I'm curious because I'd be remiss not to go into this. I know we have limited time. I'd be remiss not to at least touch on this part, which is 
on that content creator side, because I just find that that's such a big strength that you have in terms of posting content on LinkedIn, on YouTube and everywhere else. Can you talk about that journey from like, like what did year one look like creating content online versus now? Like what are some of the biggest things you've learned? And, you know, what were some of the biggest growth spurts you experienced on that journey? Because I think so many of us are trying to get into content, but get really discouraged and you, you've definitely crushed it. So I'm curious, like how that journey has been on the content creator side. So the same idea that I had when I first started my content journey is true today. Make unique content every damn day. Yeah. Right. Like if I get an email from a customer that I haven't answered before, a question I've never seen before, by end of day, I have a 15 minute video answering that question. Doesn't matter how small. And I post it. And then I make an infographic. Then I make a 60 second TikTok and whatever else I can get my hands on. So what I didn't do is invest in high editing or high performance-based content. Instead, my niche was informative. And so like information, if I wanted to be the Wikipedia of how to sell on Amazon, my branding position is I want to give the best education in the world as it relates to selling on Amazon. I just happen to be an agency. So with that in mind, it's on brand for me to share all my trade secrets. It's on brand for me to tell you how to solve every single problem. And the reason I can do that is because even if you know how to do it, it's still really damn hard with high level of effort and you're still going to hire me. That makes a lot of sense. Or at least a portion of you will. Yeah. And going going long tails is so, so important. You know, I'm going to be a little selfish here for a second. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of other people. So for example, I have a thousand, roughly like 850 YouTube subscribers. It's been kind of tough for me, to be honest. I've gotten a lot of like people binging it, which is cool. And like the watch time is pretty intense and which is awesome. Like that's what you want with YouTube. But I've kind of hit this point where I don't really know how to take it from 800 to 10,000 or something, right? What would be your biggest piece of advice from going from 800 to 10,000? Is exactly what you said? Or is there like off YouTube stuff you could do, like forming partnerships and- Trying to get in stuff. No shortcut. It it literally is grueling. Every overnight success took 10 years to make. So like when you see those big businesses just all of a sudden just take off and come out of nowhere. And we we could brainstorm like three or four on the fly right here. Yeah. I guarantee you their overnight success took years to make. Years. I am seen in the Amazon community as like a pillar of information now. But four years ago, when I first started, who was this guy? I don't even know if I want to invite him on my podcast. Like that's, you have to grind every right. single day, every single yeah. day. And, and, then, and then the next question is, is, what do you grind on? What's the messaging? What's the content, right? Like, what are you good at? So the second you start getting off messaging, you actually start to de- diminish, right? You right. lose subscribers, not, not literally, right. but, but figuratively. Like, so like I, I gain a thousand subscribers per month. If I stopped making content, I would still gain a thousand subscribers per month just because of the nature of the holding power of the content I've generated, which is nice. It's, it's holding power, which is good. But like, if I asked you right now, what are the top three problems every agency ever has? You would say. Leads. They can't figure out what to tell people. Everyone's scared of them because prospects don't like when people are being spammy. So try before you buy marketing. That's the first thing. Second thing I would say is uh, build a cult following like you've done pretty much. And then the third thing is uh, invest in an actual opportunity for arbitrage. So people, 
just copy other people and do the traditional approach. And I call it the traditional trap. And uh, they don't actually do anything different when they launch their businesses. And that's why they usually suck. So yeah, those three things. Yeah. Okay. So every piece of content you make should be about those three things. Yeah. And so like the second <laughs> you start going to the 10th problem or the 20th problem, right? that's when you lose message. That's mm -hmm. when you start getting off keel. Because at the end of the day, I will always need a new trick on lease. I will always need to know how to prospect better. If I had discovered you a year ago, I, I didn't even know what a BDR was. Right. Like, like, so so like there's so many things uh, that I didn't know that I needed to know and I had to learn this year. So your content has to proliferate and it's almost like you're going to make the same piece 10 times and call it 10 different things because the way that yeah. somebody finds it, 10 different avenues. Now, content burnout happens. It's a thing. And so you have to find creative ways to keep yourself going like your juices. And so sometimes yeah. bad things happening or frustrating things happening, get me going. That's like my thing. I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. This is so dumb. I can't believe Amazon did this to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to show them, I'm going to fix it. And then I'm gonna make a video content about it. And then I'm going to rant about it. Like yeah. that's, that's, that works for me. Well, thank you so much, man, for being on the show. I know we're tight on time. So I want to give you an opportunity, obviously to share how people can stay active or engaged in my Amazon guy. What's the best way for them to get in contact? Uh, is there a an action they can take to get involved? What's the best way? So two ways, uh, subscribe to me on YouTube, youtube.com slash my Amazon guide. And the second is to go to myamazonguy.com slash subscribe. You can subscribe to our newsletter. We send out all kinds of great information, techniques, tips, tricks, things that you can do without hiring me to go out and grow your sales. These are things, if you're another Amazon agency, another agency out there, you can replicate these tools and do it yourself you have my permission. Thanks for having me on, Lucas. It's been great, man. I could ask you a million questions and I probably will offline, but uh, I appreciate your time and hopefully we can get you back on the show. So that way, you know, we get some more we'll, stuff in the future, you know, we'll keep the conversation going. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man.